So yeah, VTubers are essentially you take like a vlogger and a YouTuber mixed. Kind of, it's actually more like streamers. So people that stream video games, and there's this software where it like does simple motion capture on you, kind of like um, did you ever see the Kinect for the Xbox? Yep. Yeah, so it's kind of like that with okay. the motion capture, a little bit more advanced because it picks up like facial cues, and then you just do like some simple 3D programming. Um, to make like the mouth and eyes move so it does like the eye tracking and mouth movement and people put it up and they're like this is my anime character that you get to watch as me stream because in reality i'm like this ugly chick no way ugly dude ugly dude a lot of times there's been a few that got sure that they're ugly dudes because like they hit the wrong button and so like it just for a second glitched and it was like the face software over his like big chubby asian face Dude, and I then can't. like cut back to his you know cat girl anime. Wasn't face. that like ninety percent of people who catfish and do all that weird shit and like are dudes who are doing it? And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> when I was growing growing up, just out of probably early college days, um, I knew a girl who was one of like a, the really beginning early like Instagram models. Okay. And I mean this like I'll be honest, this was like before that was a term you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the concept of her like making paid social posts was just like blowing everybody's mind it made no sense so it was like way before like influencer was even a thing dude couple years before that this was very like instagram was brand new you know what i mean right and so um but she was like not just getting only catfished on the back like through facebook and Instagram, not just a little bit, but she was getting sent to her like 10 to 20 profiles a day of people using her pictures Man. to catfish people. Because this was back in the early day, too, of people didn't really know what like catfishing was and all mm-hmm. that, you know. And I mean, and she was just constantly reposting these like catfish accounts. She's like, God, people are just relentless. And it was people literally taking her exact posts. Just like copy paste in the picture, copy paste in the description. Yeah. Just basically reposting, reposting her, her entire profile yeah. just under a different name. There's and like TikTok actually has a thing recently where um, people were doing the same thing to like some of the top TikTok dancers, and they would just like repost their entire channel like an hour after they posted something. They'd repost it, same caption, everything. They made the name as close as they can, stuff like that. And the whole idea is that like most people go looking for this person and we'll find this person instead because it's really similar names. So click well, on that's, instead. that's a really old like Reddit, uh, YouTube trick too. Yeah. I have a good buddy, but they would do it just to get, cause like they clearly don't get the same amount of following. Like the right. original follower has like 25 million and they have like 35,000. They get enough, but they get enough just so they can get ad revenue. Yes. And then they just, spam ads on that channel so this is this so is they old, make money off this of is old school i'm not gonna out his name but it's a really really good friend of mine from quite a while ago and in the early days of reddit he was making bank because the early days of reddit and youtube ad monetization came out at like the same time mm-hmm. and all he did is he ran a channel with like three other dudes that they would spend their day 40 hours a week all day scrolling reddit trying to find funny videos on reddit they just straight up jack people's videos from reddit repost them on youtube and we're making bank 
off ad revenue. And this was, again, like in the first year that YouTube was offering ad revenue. So it was actually pretty decent, like, per view. Your views yeah. were small, but you were when actually, you actually getting, got ad revenue for views. It paid a lot, yeah. you know what I mean? And they were making a whole lot of money until it kind of just, I think he said in the end, like, he kind of had to stop doing it. All of them did because they were like, dude, we're just jacking people's. <laughs> Shit and making hella At money. They left for it, moral like... reasons and not legal reasons. Oh yeah, they never had any legal issues or anything <laughs> like that. But they definitely did. I think kind of be like, all right, this is kind of fucked. You know what mm. I mean? Like, we're not creating any of this content. And ironically, now um, this dude's a social media director for like a pretty large company. So nice. like. Hey, that was the early days. I mean, we're talking back. This is like before. Maybe around like 2010, mm-hmm. probably even before that. You know what I mean? So, I remember when um, the company I worked for in Vegas when they they first got a social media uh, manager, and she got her own office and everything. But it was like this. It's kind of funny because it was like this um, 20, 30 year old girl in like an office full of guys selling tool parts to contractors. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but it was also kind of funny too because it's you kind of look at them and it's like this is definitely a person that has a social media, but that's their whole job. Post social media for the company. I can't even imagine that as a job. My buddy who does it doesn't even have his own. Like he's not on social media. Oh yeah. But he like does it as a profession. And his yeah. but there's the part of me that's like that makes no sense. And then I'm like, no, that actually. Com- that tracks completely. Yeah. Like, it makes absolute sense. That- I mean, that's the other thing, too, is, like, business social media is different than, like, actual social media. My girlfriend actually helped with um her first job. They were trying to do, like, social media at the start of the pandemic to, like, you know, get people to still come in. And um, the person they had doing it before sucked. And it was, like, one of the owner's daughters. Right, and she, they're just like, oh yeah, no, she's a graphic design student, so she knows what she's doing, and she's just like going in, taking like three shitty pictures in the store, and then shit ton of typos and no tags. Dude, I used to do social media back in like 2012, 2013, Mm -hmm. for this little lacrosse store I worked at, and bro. I'm gonna like try and go back see if I can find one real quick here on my Instagram. The pictures are fucking pretty goddamn funny. Cause it's just me like taking product and like lining it up, using hella filters to like blur it so you could only see the font. Like I'd do a bunch of hats, you could only like see the font on the front hat, and the rest of them were all blurry. And I thought I was cool as shit. I was like doing daily Facebook and Instagram posts for this company. <clears throat> I hated that shit, to be honest with you. Like, after a few times, it was cool, but then I was like, I'm... Well, part of this that was so pathetic was that it's like, this is a high school student, like, uh, a senior, and they don't know how to use social media properly. <laughs> like, they're not putting any tags on an Instagram post. Yeah. Like, the one thing that you're That's like the one thing you're supposed to do. to do to get views on shit, yeah. is put a tag so people can find it. Yeah. Otherwise, they gotta look up your account by name in order right. to even get a feed from it. Right, right. And then they're putting like typos. She works at a kitchen goods store and can't even spell knives correctly. Oh no, typos in yeah. the post. And or it's like K N I F E S. 
for for our yes. new selection of professional knife sharpening. You got to have somebody who's professionally doing that. On that note, if anyone wants to, you know, I'm not going to pay you shit, but if anyone wants to help me make better social media posts, I'm trying to do them for this podcast, and I really suck ass at them. So, help you boy out. We don't got we don't got Dre here today, unfortunately. Um, I don't know where he's at. Hope hope he's live. <laughs> yeah, he's probably sent, catching up on some sleep. I think so. You know, Last like, usually after we do our podcast, we do like a little wrap up meeting. And last day we recorded, our boy Jay was like, "I am out. I'm about to fall asleep on camera right now." Pretty much. Yeah. So I hope he's sleeping. Hope he's having some cushy dreams. If that's the case. We can just we can start doing these earlier if we really need to. Yeah, we or I can do to. later. Either one works. Either way, um, we miss you, homie. It's it's not not as not as fun without three. But I don't have to wear a headphone, so it's kind of nice. So yeah. fuck you, get back here. We tried to get tickets actually to go to the Tom Segura uh, show here okay. in town. He is. He was probably my longest running number one favorite top comedian. Okay. He's number two now. But I'd probably say for like five, six years he's been on like the very peak of that list. Runs a fantastic podcast. His stand up is obviously just incredible. And he landed a theater tour hmm. that was supposed to go on during early COVID time. It didn't happen and now he's redoing it. So we had tickets to the Eccles Theater um, here in Salt Lake. So it's not just a little comedy club. It's a big, it's, big... That's the Performing Arts Theater on the campus, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like four upper tiers. Yeah. When's the show? In October. Dude, you don't have to wear masks. So we were going to go yeah. until I learned that the worst seats in the house. I'm talking fourth deck back row the nosebleeds nosebleeds worst seat mm-hmm. 100 plus dollars a ticket yeah that's what stopped me from going to the tool concert when they came through yeah, last dude. time you know how much it was for their nosebleeds 300 that's what i'm saying dude it's just I'm like, so badly i so badly want to see tom segura but then when i saw that price i was like there's like a, that bad yeah it's like seeing it too it's just like you know what they deserve that price they do but it's like I I can't afford that. Price, That's and, so and, I'm not going. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that two things can be true at the same time. They can deserve that price, and I can agree that it's too expensive for me. And right. know that I was looking at it day of. <clears throat> one of the things that stressed me out is tickets were supposed to go up at ten. They weren't up. They weren't up all day, so I kind of finally gave up on it. Mm-hmm. I got home at like 5, and my wife went on and looked them up, and she found them. And there was only four nosebleed tickets left oh, at that $100 rate. And then everything else? And then everything else. Where it just gets more expensive. So it's kind of like we would have had to get them like... So what are like the good seats running at? $450. Ooh. For a comedy show. I'm not trying to talk trash on comedian. No. That's what I want to do long term. But like, your boy is like, he's definitely stepped it up. He's earned it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to go see that his price. Wife. You send in one person with a camera. 
Jesus Christ, dude. Maybe if I was in, like, a different financial position, like, that wouldn't have been an issue. But at the same time, like, a hundred bucks for trash tickets. And then you end up... One thing I've learned with the these shows is you end up spending a lot more. Oh, yeah, like food and shit. So then you gotta buy food while you're there. Mm-hmm. And drinks. Yeah. And probably Uber there, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just drive. I don't drink anymore, but I just so I just drive in. And then, like, ah, there's just so many additional. I'm going to get some edibles. Or some, I usually do. Like, so many other things that are just going to tack on a price that in the end, it's like, holy shit, that's like, while I could spend 100 bucks to go see that, I could drop that on three tickets at the comedy club here. Three different shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. The other issue is, is they weren't letting you buy in tickets more than two pairs. Oh. Because they didn't want crowds coming. Right. And people overbuying tickets. You could only buy in groups of two, which meant you had to pay their service fee, which is another like $30. And then make a new account to get the other. And you don't even have to do it off a new account. You can buy them again. But oh. instead of buying four tickets at once and paying the $30 service fee. Yep. Pay two Once. sets of two and two sets of two for now sixty get, bucks service fee. Yeah, so it's like a dumb oh, way man. they're locking in, getting in their service fee. So it, I don't know. It's just it. It's gonna be awesome though. I want to go. That'd be cool. But at the same time, like I'm not gonna. How much of that do you think just goes to like the house? A good chunk. Okay. I think. I heard some comedians talking about it, and I think they get about 50% of the ticket price. All right. So is that like 50% to them or like 50% to their crew? I think it goes to like their company. So if they okay. have to bring people, they have to pay people out, okay. I think it comes out of I so think that then like it has to be differentiated to like the manager and the techs and yes. the driver and all that shit and your travel out there yeah to be honest with you good comedians also um pay their openers yeah because usually the amount that the headliner makes versus what the opener makes is like a skyrocket different well yeah and yeah. it's <laughs> like five grand a show maybe for an opener and 500 i mean sorry for the headliner and like 500 for the opener but these people are traveling with them just as much and so a lot of times to like help them make more money and be more incentivized because a lot of times these are people that are kind of part of their crew you mm-hmm. know what i mean like um, so they pay them extra on top of you know what they're making from the club themselves because the club doesn't pay them jack shit so no it's kind of one of the the small signs of like a, a comedian that's doing well is when they're paying their openers on top of what but i mean there's some you do com- good out there kid take this <laughs> there's some comedians though who their openers are like really really their boys you know what i mean oh like, yeah Andrew Schultz, my favorite comedian right now of all. Um, His co-host is Akash Singh, who's another comedian, but they don't tour together. And then they have a producer who does all of the film and audio, yada, yada, yada. Then they have a third dude 
kind of the bullshitter guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's just kind of helps get him topics, adds some third things in, helps with production, does all this other stuff. But he's also a new aspiring stand-up. Mm-hmm. And he's Schultz's opener. Like, every single place he goes, he brings this kid. So it's like, not just in some random person opening for him. It's a dude who, you know, yeah. helps him produce podcasts and all that shit. Like, so there's been some shows I've gone to where I just go for the opening. There, I recently went to a show here. I gotta look back up and figure out the guy's name. The opener, opener was fantastic. To be honest with you, um, Salt Lake's a weird place to do comedy, and yeah. it's like everyone wants to porch on, poach on Mormon jokes. It's kind of hit or miss whether it will work. Because if you don't have a lot of Mormons in your crowd, then they're gonna they're gonna no they're gonna kill it they're gonna be good but when you get mormons in the crowd and you're making fun of mormons they kind of just sit there grumpy so as it a show a while ago andrew santino show i don't remember the opener's name but at one point he's like damn this girl's just like folded arms fucking grumpy face looking at me the whole show like are you mormon she wouldn't even respond he's like Damn, you're that mad at me for making Mormon jokes. Like, you won't even respond to me. And I watched her for the whole time after that. She sat there for, like, 35 minutes. And even when the headliner came on, just sat there the whole show. Folded arms, grumpy. I'm like, why would you come to a comedy show? Right, in Salt Lake. Angry. Show up trying to be mad at the jokes. You know what I mean? I've seen a few people that they'll... um... They especially talk about it for, uh, for like, open mics. Because a lot of people that actually have made it, when they do open mics, that's where they go to test material. Yeah, You, you don't sure. want to test material on a show all the time. You just no. want to test it on an open mic first. And if people like it, then you can throw it on your show kind of deal. Right. There's been a few that talk about when they go and do that. And they've gone up and, like... The person before just bombed, and the person before them bombed, and so the crowd. So the crowd's already upset. The crowd's and the not really bad. into it, and he goes up, and he's just like, you know, kind of like a uh, tough crowd. See if he can break the ice, and they don't respond. And he's just like, all right, fuck it, not worth it. And just walks off. Yeah. And it's just like there's there's no feedback he's gonna get from it that's accurate. So it's like not worth it. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, all the. All the things I listen to are comedy related pretty much. And there's so many comedians that talk about like <clears throat> bombing's tough, mm-hmm. especially when the person in front of you bombed and you're getting up there and you're bombing. Because now you're just making it worse for the guy after you. Right. But there's something to be said for like the growth you gain in your writing when you can just stand up there right. while shit's bombing. And like yeah. they will all say that if you can flip a set from a bomb. If you can get people into it, that's like the greatest feeling as a comedian. More so than when you start out killing the whole show. You're killing. Well, if you can flip a room, that is like your. Because there's some comedians. There's only a few people I think I think that could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, a couple of the shows. One of the things I love about the the Wise Guys Comedy Club here in Salt Lake. Shouts to them. They started hitting up comedians early, I think. And Salt Lake has been pretty progressive. Not progressive. Pretty um, 
open about how they're opening things back up. Yeah. Like they're the first NBA arena that's about to allow full capacity. Mm-hmm. Again, the comedy club said you were going to be six feet from people, but truthfully, there was just like one seat in between you the people next to you and then the person in the road in front of you is also like just three feet away from yeah. you you know what i mean but they hit up a lot of comedians and got them on and the two shows i went to both of them said and i've seen it from a bunch of other comedians this is their first stop <laughs> in trying to come back out and they haven't done stand-up for like a year yeah some of the shows i went to this guy is usually chad daniels he's usually like so literate with his talking and doesn't stumble on anything he just kept fucking up. Mm-hmm. And then like, he'd fumble on his words and he'd stop and then just be like, have you guys ever not done your job for nine months? And then you're expected to just try and do it again just as good. Yeah, I suck at that. Yeah. <laughs> then, well, that's why they're like, all these comedians went to do podcasts and, you know, that's good for them. But they also still have to practice their fucking shtick. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Yeah. I, I think... mean, like New York still had open mics. That was how a lot of people were doing it. But yes, the problem was is that you're performing at like a 20% capacity room. So it's like yeah. you're doing an open mic for about eight people. Yeah. You might as well just get your the friends pay, together. The and, pay wasn't worth it. No. Hey, there was so many different things. The New York comedy scene crashed. COVID killed the L.A. comedy. Not killed. Changed the L.A. comedy scene. Yeah. I mean, so many people went down to Austin to follow the Joe Rogan. Yeah. Train. It's like some people in New York were still going to do these open mics just to like not get rusty. Right. Yeah. It's just there's, like if I'm talking to eight people, I'm still practicing my ability to talk in front of people. And there's some that have refused. Yeah. Like Bobby Lee. I love his comedian. Love his podcast. Mm-hmm. He's not coming back until like once he finishes a show he's filming. He's like got two more months till he's even saying he'll come out and like... Yeah. Start testing the waters again. I wonder if some of them are too, like, especially the amateur ones or, like, the lowbrow ones are definitely making more off podcasts than they are off comedy shows. Yeah, and you don't have to, there's not the expense that's associated with having to travel and go do all the stand-up. It's a lot easier to just fucking sit in a room and talk. You know who's finally doing one that, like, it's over, boys. The podcast game is done. Dave Chappelle is doing one. I was wondering if he would do one. He's doing one with him. Talib Kweli, the rapper, who's like old school fantastic. Yeah. One other guy, I don't remember who it was. Um, I bet you he'd have some pretty good guests in there. Dude, he's going to have the best. Yeah. Because there's going to be, like, he's a, he's, a, he's a legend among legends. Oh, so yeah. the people who he asks, like, he'll get anyone he he asks to do. You know what I mean? Ironically, so, like, I love Andrew Schultz. I think in the comedy game, he's done a lot during the pandemic in terms of, like, he transitioned to, like, Instagram monologue videos that were really, really viral that hit really well that was just him kind of bullshitting like compiled to him getting a Netflix special that was an hour long plus of him just doing those same like little like doing comedy without a crowd you know what I mean yeah and that was always interesting to see I mean you almost are just like are they gonna play like a laugh track or well George Carlin did it towards the end of his career and it wasn't that good he started recording um full hours not 
in front of a crowd, but in like a recording a studio. Recording studio. Yeah. Um, but Schultz's are so good because he's so bang, bang, bang mm-hmm. with it. And they're all just like punchline after punchline. And they don't add in any laugh tracks or anything like that. But he just had like visuals and a couple other things. And he killed it. And he like kind of showed that like you could transform the game a little bit. You don't have to just like kind of succumb to like all these other comedians. They're like, oh, well, we can't go on stage. We can't do anything anymore. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to just do. Right. So we doubled down on that. Doubled down on podcasting. Got that Netflix special. Killed it. Mm-hmm. And he's good friends with Rogan. And Rogan brought it up to Chappelle the other day who he was um, recording an episode Rogan was with Chappelle and he brought up like, yeah, there's this guy Schultz who's doing this kind of like hybrid of not just internet comedy, but like also doing a lot of good crowd work stuff and a lot of um, stand up itself. Chappelle was kind of hating. He was just like, yeah, that's that's not my thing. Like, I don't do that. Yeah. I don't do that. And then two days later, he announces he's doing a podcast. Right. Well, I think a podcast is different than stand up comedy. Entirely. 100%. And, I'm, I mean, a lot of comedians, they need to move with the room. Like You need that room, and you need yeah. to um, have that feedback of the audience. Right. I mean, uh, hell, there's some, there's some people that actually make their, their shtick is just dealing with hecklers. And you can't do that without a crowd. Yeah. Um... Schultz, who I was talking about earlier, his first special was an hour of crowd work. Yeah. And he does at least like 20 minutes every set of him just fucking with people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. He has a fantastic one from when he was here in Salt Lake just a couple weeks ago, just talking to somebody about like whether they were Mormon or not. And they're like, yeah, but I fucked this dude and this dude. He's like, what the fuck? You're not supposed to be doing that shit. Just Mormons out here don't want to steal his joke. But like. Yeah. Um, I just looked it up. So the um podcast he's doing is him and Talib Kweli, old school great rapper, and Most Def, who goes okay. by the his real name's Yasin Bey. I didn't know that's who it was. So it's him and two like qualified OG rappers right. doing a podcast. That thing's gonna be sick. I think actually. Give a listen. It, it, I feel it could go either way. Um, see, it'll either be really funny or it'll be really informative. Would you? Those are both lanes that are good yeah. in podcasting. You don't have to be one or the other or neither. You know what I mean? Right. But I'll, I would. I would like to see. I've been talking this a lot to people recently. Like to anyone out there listening who wants to start a pod, fucking do it. Um, got asked a while ago, like how I was gonna compete with other people in the podcasting space, and my immediate thought was like, compete. Like I'm not trying to compete with There's anyone. No There's no competition. Like I'm trying to go with everyone to the moon. Like let's fucking get it, everyone. You know I what I mean? Want to be on the same so, boat. <laughs> yeah, like let's get it together. So there are a couple people who expressed interest in starting some pods to me, and. I've kind of extended the invite to them. Like, even they can come here and try and record here because yeah. there's a bit of a barrier of entry with all the equipment and all the shit you need, a dedicated space and mics, you know what I mean? Right. And I mean, 
to a degree too. I, I know people that did a podcast where it's just them doing video calls, chatting. Yeah, they're just throwing you don't their, need... their game headsets and going to a Zoom call and just record the screen. Yep, you don't need two people here. You can do it, whatever. Yeah. Have one buddy who wants to do one. Um, <clears throat> I keep it mostly on the low, but I was talking with him recently and he kind of wants to just kind of talk about the, uh, he's a teacher, and just kind of like what it's like to teach through Zoom. Not only teach, but, like, he was just your average college kid a couple of years ago. Um, so I think it's kind of just that contrast, like, what he was talking to me about, like, how there's this expectation to, as a teacher, to be this certain persona, but you could still kill it as a teacher and not necessarily be that, like, corporate cookie-cutter teacher thing you know what i mean well, I, I remember this it was always interesting i was talking with one of my teachers in uh high school and we were saying um that when they they have like these big teacher conferences for like the k-12 that they'll go to and he's just like yeah you can tell who's who's teaching what grade by the amount of energy they have that early in the morning and it's like all the high school teachers are there with a cup of coffee barely going and all the like elementary school teachers are wired like they have a line of coke in the parking lot and they don't even have a cup of coffee in their hand that's hilarious and it's just that energy difference that they need and it's just like yeah this is why you teach children this is why i teach like people that think they're adults <laughs> dude that's wild teachers i mean they affect people crazy i mean this guy myself even was just a couple weeks ago like uh i hit him up for book suggestions mm-hmm he was like, what do you want to read? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to, like, learn how to get better at shit I do. And he hit me back with, like, five books and was like, read them in this order, yada, yada, yada. Like, you'll like this one for this reason. And <clears throat> I don't know. Anyone want to do some shit, try it out. Fucking who cares? You know, it seems like the podcasting things, like the trendy thing that everyone's want to do right now. But, like... Fuck it, who cares if it's trendy? That's even better, doesn't it mean? Like, God damn it. I had a pretty good teacher in high school. It was my health teacher. And dude was wild, because he, uh, he was like this conservative old New Yorker. Super okay. thick accent. Every time he did the Pledge of Allegiance in his class, he'd always end it with, like, play ball. And then, you know, around his shit. Play ball in ball. the Pledge of Allegiance? Yeah, and, like, in the corner of his room was his, like, memorial to his brothers and his platoon that he served with all right so it's like him and his drill <coughs> sergeant shit and all the people that he served and was deployed with like the corner of the room and like a whole respect your troops corner kind of deal um but when he taught health i mean just the way that he went about certain stuff because the dude was super strict i mean it was like you know no phones none of that shit in class um no music nothing and Everyone was, like, in their rows, so you couldn't turn to talk to anyone because there was no one next to you kind of deal. It was very, like, military, but then when he'd go about certain stuff, like, when he talked about um, sex ed, and he's just like, who knows what ejaculation is? And, like, everyone knows, but no one wants to raise their hand. Right, every kid's sitting there just just like, like, uh... You probably don't want to say it, but you all know what it is. It's like when you're... It's real late at night, and you're probably just, you're thinking to yourself, and you may be doing a few things, and all of a sudden you go, and your face just crunches up like that, and now there's a mess. <laughs> oh my god, dude. 
Did you ever watch the show The League? Uh-uh. We had the this... League of Skanks? No, no. That's a podcast. Okay, okay. Good pod. Um, I've heard a few episodes from them, but no, I haven't, I haven't watched them. Janaid loves them, by okay. the way. He loves Big J Okerson. That's okay. like his his man. Um, But uh, <laughs> the show was, it's based around the concept of fantasy football. Okay. So it's a league of like four or five guys who play in a fantasy football league together. And it's just a dumb sitcom oh, that's about oh, like I think I've seen like their life about yeah. how they navigate it. But it actually has a few really, really good comedians who are part of it. Um Steven is EC, John DeJolie, a couple different guys. They're really, really good and they make this show. Mm-hmm. But they have this one like trope of the show that they go back to all the time and they call it the vinegar squirts okay they essentially postulate early in the show that the face you make when you come is similar to the face of when you smell vinegar which is kind of like like you know strained like bad and so they're always this just recurring joke throughout the whole show where they'll like walk in on somebody having sex and they'll be like oh god i saw so-and-so's vinegar vinegar strokes that's what they call it the vinegar strokes i've always thought about that since then just like that dumbass face remember there was one where um it's just like you know it was a thing in uh middle school it's like how to tell what your sex face was or like what sounds you'd make during it and it's just like you they made you hold like a pencil in between each finger you're like okay like this yes and, and then they just, they like, just grab it and crushes your fingers yes i forgot about that and then you yell yeah, like some like, ridiculous oh, that's thing the sound you made. oh my god dude we had some good ass pranks back in middle school i think we grew up in like the prime middle school generation have you ever heard of the movie snow on the bluff Mm-mm. boy you need to change your life and <laughs> watch it here sam so it's a ridiculous movie that the whole premise is is it starts off with these like two girls All right. trying to buy some like I don't know if it's cocaine. I think it's cocaine from this dude. In the snow, okay. And he's they they record it for some reason because they're like making a video of like the girls go to the beach, you know. So they're recording it and they have a camcorder. Mm-hmm. And then when the dude gets in the back of the car and realizes they caught the camcorder, he pulls his gun on him mm. and is like screaming at him with his gun and jacks his camcorder, their camcorder. Okay. And the rest, that's like the first five, ten minutes of the movie. Okay. And the whole rest of the movie shows goes to show him going through just like his gang activities mm-hmm. and him at the trap house with the homies like smoking blunts and all getting crazy and then the cops show up and they all run away like shooting guns in the air and I want to give away the whole plot but it's wild because so it's like a found footage comedy kind of deal. Yes. Okay. I haven't How- seen many of those. However. Okay. It's even better done because it was an actual found footage comedy. This was actually like somebody's school project, like scripted. 
they actually planned the whole thing. You know what I mean? Okay. And that's the whole plot. You don't. Really, I watched this movie like ten times sarcastically, thinking that this was just some day. Cause like all the footage shitty. Like mm-hmm. the cops show up and they start running down the streets, and you get like seven minutes of the dude running with the camcorder, and all mm-hmm. you see is like the pavement because he's pointing it down. And you're like, what the fuck am I watching? So you get so convinced that you actually watched this video of, like, the drug dealer jacking the people's camera and all this shit that happens resulting after that. But then after a minute, you're like, no, no, no. There's no way that that actually is, like, real life and just put up on a TV screen. Like, there is so much incriminating shit in there. Like... I think he shot a guy at one point. You know what I mean? Like, it's aggressive, but it was so good. And it's like, uh, approach and making you feel like it was just unscripted fucking nonsense, dude. The, um, you know, the Saw franchise? Yeah. You know how that first movie was made? No. So the two guys that made it just got out of like film school and they're like, okay, we're going to make our first film. And they did, like, some crowdsourcing for money, and they got enough to get, like, camera equipment, and that was it. And they had, like, I think two months to rent the camera equipment, but they didn't have enough money to get a set or anything like that. So they just basically, it's like, okay, how do we film a movie in just our basement? Really? Yeah. So the entire thing is just filmed in In one room. In one little basement room. Yeah, one little basement room. We should do that, dude. <laughs> we got a studio. Room. We got one room. <laughs> we should cut legs off, bro. <laughs> should throw people in here. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, if we can get like two decent actors and one room, we're set. So they like went back to their uh, graduating class and like the film departments. Like, you guys got any like cheap actors? And they're just like, yeah, we got these two guys. And like, perfect. Can you act cutting off your leg or some shit like that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christos. I think like one of them plays the the doll on the cameras and stuff, which they just record in like the closet with the mask on. Literally, it's recorded through like the closet shutters. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 100%. Just I'm remembering the whole like film now and just there's like, yeah, just there's no room. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. And We're filming your whole podcast in one room, though, so fuck them. Shit did so well is that they had a budget for, like, a shit ton of other movies, and it's like, we can leave the room. <laughs> Never leave the room, people. Why do they always, like... One of the tropes of horror movies that I hate is that all the characters are just dumbasses. Yeah. Well, <clears> it's, like, very clear. Cabin in the Woods? No, I actually haven't That's seen it. That's a good one. It... it... <laughs> The whole premise of it is that in order to prevent the end of the world, they have to, like, sacrifice a couple teenagers every, like, spring break. So they set up, the government has, like, this set up cabin in the woods that teenagers always go to. And it's this whole, like, behind-the-scenes government operation to make a horror film play out. So, like, they spin a wheel for what monster they have to deal with, and then they're just, like... You know, oh, they're starting to be reasonable. Um, quick, hit them with the uh, LSD. And it's like a minute trank of LSD shot into the air, and so they start acting stupid and erratic. What the fuck? Yeah, it's just that way they play into this dumb trope. And then, like, I'm sure a bunch of millionaires are watching it live and betting on it. Like, they have, like, a, a Deadpool on, like, what <sighs> monster gets them and stuff. 
Fucking movies are weird nowadays, dude. I don't even get that. It was such a good movie. <laughs> what was it called again? Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. I'm writing that down. Did you ever see Tucker and Dale vs. Evil? Mm-mm. It was a really dumb comedy. Was it like a spinoff of Ash versus the Evil Dead? or No. No. It was a dumb comedy where there's two dudes, Tucker and Dale. Okay. Go on this like vacation to the woods. Okay. And... They keep being around while people either accidentally die or commit suicide. Okay. And somebody else always sees them there. Oh, so they're just... So everyone else thinks that they're all murderers, but they're realistically like a dumb trucker and a hippie dude. And like it all starts out... place, wrong time. Yes, it all starts out like the first one is this girl drowning in a lake while they're out fishing late at night. And they swim up and they're trying to help her out. But like from the person who sees them perspective, it looks like they're drowning. And then at one point, like there's this ridiculous, it gets as ridiculous as there's this guy who has like a wood chipper okay. and he's depressed and he jumps in the wood chipper. And there's this weird thing. The other plot is that like everyone just keeps committing suicide around them. Okay. So they're trying to pull him out of the wood chipper. But it looks like they're pushing him in. It looks like they're pushing yeah. him in. Just the whole movie is just this, oh like, super silly, super nonsensical, just, like, these two dudes who are trying so hard. They're to so do. scarred by And them. they're like, why is everyone dying around us? And everyone around them is just, like, trying to commit suicide, trying to be dead. And they just are fucking getting caught at the scene of all of them. And I don't know. It's great. If you smoke weed, you need to watch that movie for sure. Oh, uh, dude. So going back to uh, the Dave Chappelle thing. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't tell you this. In my criminology class, one of the assigned videos was the Dave Chappelle show Law and Order bit. I don't know if I'm familiar with Corey this. Corey Turner, Law and Order. It's the whole thing where they like, they do the rich court and then the poor court, but they like swap it so... Um, the poor court is like this white guy in a business suit that did like tax evasion. I'm not and familiar the, with uh, this one. The rich court is Chappelle dressed like a gangster as a uh, crack dealer. Okay. And okay. He's, like, showing up late to his uh, his plea bargains and shit like that. All right. All right. It's the whole one where he's like, I plead the motherfucking fit. <laughs> okay. I think I do know a few. Is this thing course. on? Spell was wild, dude. Yeah. I think like Bill Burr's the judge too in it, and they're just like. They go to the poor court, and the guy did, like, mild tax evasion, and he's just like, you know, I'm glad I get to put trash like you away forever. Like, I never have to see, I get to sign your death sentence, buddy. I hope you never walk kind of deal. And then it cuts to the Chappelle one after he pleads the fifth to crack dealing for, like, the whole court scene. He's just like, you're off the hook. Get out of here. Get out of here, bud. Get out of here, my like guy. He shows up in like chains in the bag. Looking like a pimp. rag with a hat. Bill Burr was in a lot of those old Chappelle. He was. Like every announcer. <laughs> yeah. Every time they needed a white guy, Bill Burr was their go-to. Mm-hmm. They did like the whole, I think it was like draft announcement or like team announcement. The race draft. Race draft, that yes. A, that's a classic. And it's Bill Burr. Clayton Bigsby, dude. Yeah. I mean, you kind of know that's why Chappelle's show stopped, right? Part of it, yeah. There was all that stuff, too, with, like, 
him being paid properly. There was the money issue. Yeah. But then there was also he did the Clayton Bigsby skit, yeah, and they came back and were like, "You, you can't do that anymore." And he was like, "Well, fuck you." Yeah. And it's just like if I can't do the Chappelle show the Chappelle way, why do the Chappelle show? What a gangster, dude! Yeah. I think that's one of the things that earned him like some OG status in comedy. Mm-hmm. But it's also ironic going back to that thing I was saying earlier about like Joe Rogan talking to Chappelle about Schultz. He's like, I don't do that type of thing. I don't do that type of thing. And it's like, wait, your career was made off you making a sketch comedy show. Well, I don't think sketch comedy and audienceless stand up are the same thing, too. No, but what he was saying after that was like, he's part of the OGs. Like, you got to do it on stage. Yeah. Stand up's the only true thing. And he's it's kind of like, well. Stand up realm. Think- yeah, but it's like, but his fame didn't come from stand up, let's be honest. I like his stand-up more his, than I like the Chappelle show. Me too, but his fame came from the Chappelle show. And then people started to branch off and listen to his stand-up, and he got famous with his stand-up after. <clears throat> Not exclusively, but like Chappelle show definitely. I mean, it's the greatest sketch comedy show of all time. I think, yeah. I think Key and Peele now is kind of starting to... I don't want to say rival it, but like they're doing... <laughs> Keen Peel has hit or miss ones for me, though. Yeah. Like, they have ones that either love it or you hate it kind of ones. Yeah, for sure. Like, there are certain ones where you watch and it's just like, yeah, this is kind of... Some of them are boring. Some of them kill it. Yeah. Like, the fucking hat competition that they have. Where they're trying to, like, outdo the other one with how much of the original tag is still on the hat. I have not seen that. Yeah, and like by the end of it, the whole punchline is that uh, I think Keels, or Key shows up and he's got like a big board on his head and it's a Chinese woman making the hat on his head. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's like each time they walk up, the hat is like further and further. Comically in. larger? No, no, no. It's like further and further back in the... Um, because, like, when he first shows up, he just bought it and he has the tags hanging off of it. But then it goes back where it's still in, like, the shipping department and it's still being manufactured and it's still in, like, the rough outlines. So they're, like, making the hat on his head. To the point where they're just making the hat on his head. <laughs> My favorite is their drug deal. The drug deal one's good. The drug deal one. Yeah. Now high five me and say drugs. <laughs> yeah. And then they have good ones, but then, like, they'll make a sequel to it and it's all right. Yeah, and that's any comedy. You gotta shoot your shot. Yeah. It's why SNL's tanking. SNL's trash, dude. It is. It's trash. The fucking, and I hate it, too, because some of the people that have, like, the worst bits on SNL are pretty good comics. Dude, fucking Michael Chi and Michael Che and uh, Pete Davidson. Mm-hmm. They're both, like, legitimate stand-up comics, and they're just trashing their shit away. On that bullshit-ass show. Yeah. Do you know who Tony Hinchcliffe is as a comedian? Or have you heard what happened with him recently? Mm-mm. He's kind of like, in a way, part of the Joe Rogan sphere. He moved down to Austin with Rogan and was like doing a lot of his openings and yeah. doing a lot of his shows. And he recently came out on stage after there was an Asian dude who was up before him. Mm-hmm. Sounds like part of the Asian dude's set was like making fun of white people. 
and the white people were laughing. So Tony Hinchcliffe, who was like the headliner, came up afterwards and started saying some like wild boy shit, calling the whole crowd like race traitors because they were laughing at jokes about white people. But he like his first line when he walked up and grabbed the mic was just like, why are you guys laughing at this stinky C word that was up on stage just right here? And you're like, oh, man, like, why the fuck did you say that this is like, why they had like the cane back then to just pull the guy out dude and then he just kept going he's like he race traders he's making fun of you guys are all white and here you are laughing about it and it made it so like the next day joe rogan had a bunch of shows scheduled with him and he was like pulled off of all of the shows and the banners like mysteriously photoshopped him out yeah, and all that the worst stuff part too is is that when he went out and did that he probably didn't mean offense no. by it he just no. like he, he he admits he's never said that word people who know him very well are like this dude's not racist one bit he just thought he was building off yeah. The energy, the guy before him was kind of like making fun of white people. So he was like, all right, I'm going to go do it back. And he did it. And then immediately afterwards was like, fuck, that was probably a bad idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's like a big difference between racist people and people that just have poor tactful skills. Poor taste. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lack of tact can come off as racism just because you're too like ignorant. Yeah, that one was a pretty really bad lack of tact, though. I mean... Like, dude probably went in thinking it's like, okay, this is going to get a good reaction and, like, dropped the ball and didn't know how to back out. Exactly. So then he kind of doubled down on it, and it's like, oh, that's not going to always work for you. Because you know he was probably, like, pissing himself once he realized about two minutes in that it was not getting the reception he wanted. Absolutely. And I've seen some comedians. One of the ones I saw recently... I mean, I'll I'll say it straight up. Made a, uh, an Asian-related joke, and I'm not gonna repeat it or steal it or anything. But it was really tactful, mm-hmm. and I think it was really funny. You know what I mean? Because it like didn't use you know racial words, wasn't objective. Um, but yeah, he, he he's getting roasted online. He's kind of getting canceled around the world for it. Like his podcast network dropped him and everything. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't big enough to scoop by like Kramer. No. <laughs> and there's also some criticisms like surrounding the whole thing in terms of like the video was dropped by the comedian who he was making fun of. Mm-hmm. But that guy never reached out to him directly to yeah. say like, hey, what's up? And Tony Hinchcliffe says that he's like reached out to him 10, 15 times and his number's blocked by now. So he like can't even... Right. Like, talk to the guy. So, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of, like, uh, it's a hard part about comedy is sometimes you're going to just say the wrong. Wrong shit. You're going to say the wrong shit. You're going to say the wrong thing. I know I've done it my life before. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to continue to do it. But it doesn't excuse it. doesn't whatever. But well, I've talked to my buddy a few times. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, make, I'll drop a joke in, like, certain social situations, and it's just crickets. And it's like... Either it was a bad taste or someone didn't hear me, but at this point I'm like, I'm, I'm a little nervous to try it again, so... I'm Can't gonna, redrop it again. Yeah, I'm not going to redrop it, I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen and hope no one heard it. <laughs> and then like in hindsight, it's like, 
Yeah, I really hope no one heard that. <laughs> That's kind of what everyone was making fun of the whole Tony Hinchcliffe thing. Cause they were like, well, why didn't he address it before this video came out? And it's like, I'm sure when you fuck up like that, you're just trying to hope that, like, you yeah. sit back and just hope, like, hope no one saw that. Hope no one filmed that. Like, right. I hope that just disappears. <laughs> oh, dude. I don't get it. Life's hard. It's tough, like, considering I want to do stand-up going forward. You just got to be careful with your jokes. I know. Like, pre-screen them by someone. Just like, does this sound wrong? But then at the same time, you can think about it. It's like, how far do you want to go with it? I try and pre-screen things by my wife, and she tells me every joke I make's horrid. (laughs) But yet, she's always laughing when she married me, so I don't get it. She tells me all my jokes suck. That's part of the reason why when we were recording the other day and she was here, I had to shut the door because I was like, I can't hear her. I can't have her hearing all my bullshit. And then looking at me with that judgy face, I'm like, fuck. I thought it was funny, okay? She hated the punching third graders conversation. Oh, I bet. Yeah. She was like, how could you even consider hitting a third grader in the face? I'm like, no, I've already agreed to that. Like, that's the whole premise of this argument. We're past the morals. It's more about my physical limitations. Not my moral limitations, (laughs) my physical limitations. You're just like, do you really think you could look a third grader in the face and punch him? And I was like, in this scenario, I've already decided, yes. (laughs) Yes, I already have. Whatever these little kids did, like, I'm fucking ready to fight them. I'm ready to go to war. Look, we're not talking about a moral dilemma here. This is the end of Step Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> yes. I forgot about that. Holy fuck. They make him lick shit. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, we'll have to keep asking people that. I think that's a recurring question. Was it that told us five the other day, Haas? Yeah, you could only do like four or five. Bastard ass. He had the moral ground. That's... <laughs> That's what prevented him. Haas, if you're listening right now, you're a bitch ass that couldn't punch out six third graders. By the time you hear this, we'll probably forget we made this comment because it's going to come out in a month. (laughs) Bitch ass not being able to hit third graders ass. But we'll gaslight you regardless when you claim we said it. Dude, they're tiny. You could hit them so easy. Think about like the form. It's like right there. It's just... Well, that's not very good form to hit a third grader if they're tiny. You can all like more down. For you, because you're tall as fuck. Well, even for you, you got to punch down. You I can't think I'm punch going straight here. out. Third graders aren't five feet tall. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Won't lie. I was hanging out with the family the other day. Mm-hmm. One of the nieces was kind of like wrestling at me, you know what I mean? Like just throwing punches. Trying to go crazy. It's like, what grade are you in? She was like second. And all I could think is like, in a year I could definitely punch you out easy. <laughs> and I was thinking that. When the episode drops, you're no longer allowed back to family gatherings. Dude! They can't find this pod. That's <laughs> the truth. My homie who was talking about wanting to start one as a teacher was like, I'm just so worried that, like, what if students in the community, people find out, like, I just got to watch my wording. I was like, mm-hmm, I feel the same way. I just, around my wife's family, I just pretend this does not exist. 
did that guy once. He can, he can come be a guest. See what it's like. Call him. Yeah. We'll give him a shot. Yeah. I offered him to come through to the studio spot. So yeah. I've offered it to it's a few summer, homies. so he's not working. No, I've offered it to a few homies. Tyler, get over here. Come record an episode if you're listening. Come play basketball too, you bitch ass. Oh, fuck. That was a whole hour almost we just blew through. Yeah. I did not look at my whole list this entire time. That's fine. We don't need the list. No, we don't. Yeah. Let's call today. All right. Thanks, boys. Peace out.